If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we keep you motivated, inspired, and thinking big. Up-leveling into quantum revenue is a choice that we can all make in any moment and then continue to make that choice to stay in that space each day. On this podcast, Ursula will share revenue growth strategies to reach your next level and introduce you to CEOs just like you who are making it happen. What's your next quantum leap going to be? See it, own it, and take that first step. If this is you, then Ursula wants to invite you to join us at the next 2X Intensive now. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. You're listening to Quantum Revenue Expansion with your host, Ursula Menchez. Let's go. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Quantum Revenue Expansion, the podcast where we talk about how to turn your annual income into your monthly income. And I have a special, super special return guest. Steve Niska is with us today. We've had him on the show before to talk about his business success. He's talked about his book and he's talked about all of the amazing, incredible things he's doing in the world to help people um, still who are trying to get out of Afghanistan, people who are, um, just at risk in the world. And today we're especially gonna talk about the American experiment at risk, the role of women and how to run a successful nonprofit. Because here's the thing, I know we can, we can fit all of that in in 30 minutes. So Steve, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ursula, it's such a pleasure to join you. <laughs> and as we, we find Steve, he's in the middle of um, juggling many, many things. He's at a university right now, he's heading to a speaking engagement and that is the life of the entrepreneur. So. Before, uh, before we completely dive in, a couple of things. If you haven't yet, definitely grab our free gift at UrsulaInc.co. It's on the homepage. It's right there. It's how to turn your annual income into your monthly income. It's really the, the masterclass that pairs nicely with the podcast. So grab that if you haven't yet. And if you haven't come out to the 2X Intensive yet, you can go to UrsulaInc.co forward slash apply. Send us your details. We'll get you more information. And just so you know, because you're a podcast listener, you do receive a very special uh, package price to join us. And we'd love to support your business growth. So with that, let me tell you about Steve. If you haven't, if you haven't heard Steve before, definitely go back and listen to 
I think the two or three, I'm, I'm trying to remember, Steve, you're going to be one of our, um, our winners in terms of having you back the last two, yeah, a couple, two podcasts, I would say over the last year that we've done with Steve, he is the executive director of first amendment voice, which is the t-shirt I'm wearing. My t-shirt says citizenship is not a spectator sport. We love this short shirt. My husband, Tim wears his religiously and it, um, First Amendment Voice is a nonpartisan effort to reinvigorate civ- civic awareness around free express- expression, religious liberty, press freedom, and other First Amendment issues. Steve served 25 years in the Army, including serving in the White House as director for Iraq. He published a book last year, Baghdad Underground Railroad, chronicling his work helping Iraqi interpreters escape sectarian violence, which we talked about on the show the last time you were here. And, you know, the last time was very interesting because of everything that was happening in Afghanistan. You were very involved. You're still very involved. And, you know, in addition to your consulting business, like you are a business owner, you um, are the executive director and founder of First Amendment Voice. And, I feel like a million other things that you don't tell me about, which is fine. Um, just super busy and you're a dad, you're a husband, you've got so many things going on. So Steve, before we dive in, give us a, just give us a quick update of like what's going on in your world. How are you juggling everything? Sure. Well, I, I think we spoke about this in um, one of the earlier episodes where we we're looking at, you know, the ebb and flow of things over time, right. And where you can find, the overlap between multiple roles you might be wearing, you know, multiple hats you're wearing. And uh, so what I've been able to do is uh, with the Afghan evacuation in particular, which has been acute for the last year, while we're still seven days a week since August, when I stood up at operations center, um, I've been able to bring on a leadership team who is running day-to-day operations for me. And then I can step back in a strategic advisor role and assist with the broader coalitions and that sort of stuff. So I was able to, you know, I guess, work my way out of a job, uh, some might say. And and that's that's what most executive directors and nonprofits try to do, actually, that they want the impact. They want, you know, whatever their organization's mission is, that's what the passion that brought them there. And they quickly find themselves in the position of really an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, an accidental entrepreneur, right? I, I think that's yeah. um, or on so many levels. So I think it's such a great point. You know, you've worked yourself out of a job, out of one of your many jobs. And of course, as entrepreneurs, we want to do that, right? We want to be able to do other things. And so many of the CEOs we work with, especially women, I know we're going to talk about women today, def- they want to have foundations. They want to have nonprofits connected to their businesses. They want to do more work in the world. So best advice, you know, how, how can we do that? Because being a business owner, right, we can feel like we're already juggling a lot of things. So how have you been able to successfully, you know, have this, you know, found and launch First Amendment Voice and then turn it over and, you know, get a lot of support. You've got the operations in Iraq, I don't know, or excuse me, Afghanistan, right? You've got that other organization. And I don't even know the extent to, I mean, I feel like I think I know you were, um, you probably had a cot there, like you lived there for a while to handle that and get things up and running. And then you have your consulting business in the background, you're a keynote speaker. I mean, best advice, like if someone's thinking, I I really would love to have a 501c3, how do I do that? Well, so the first advice people give, and I second this, is don't start a nonprofit, right? Find somebody that's already doing the work that you're passionate about and join them and assist, right? Because as you know, 
any new organization, whether in a private sector or you know in a nonprofit space, is an insane amount of energy to try to get the systems and processes going, bring the right team on board, and then scale it to the level where you can have the impact, which it originally drew you to the, the organization. And so when you, if you can find somebody that's doing something like that or willing to be the, the, the mother or father figure organization and allow you to do the work as a project under their umbrella, mm-hmm. that's a way to dip your toe in. And that's really how First Amendment Voice started. We started as a project under Global Peace Foundation, and we've been in the process of a soft launch, I would say. We're kind of at the phase where um, where the kids graduated high school and we went to college, and we still know if we really need mom or dad, we can call them up on the phone. <laughs> what a, that's such great advice. So start start where you're passionate and maybe there's a project that could grow out of it, but know that if you jo- dive in head first and have a business and you don't have the right support, that's going to be really challenging. And the other piece I think is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can always write checks, right? We talk a lot about that on this show, the importance of having successful for-profit businesses so we can write checks to First Amendment Voice or other organizations that we care about. And so just, just a reminder to all the CEOs, you don't have to start a nonprofit. You get the first amendment voice and all the nonprofits will take your money any day, right? They will, they'll be glad to receive your checks. So you know, there's another really important point there because it's not just the, the resource side of money. It's your time and expertise, right? Sure. It's, it's, are you willing to serve on the advisory board or the, or the board of directors in a, a volunteer capacity where you know, you're passionate about, say, our mission, but you don't want to stand up another organization, you can join that way as well. And that's a really important way to contribute. Yeah, excellent point, which I know is something you do a lot. And, you know, underneath all of this, I I do want to talk about the the big conversation we're going to have today. But underneath all of this, Steve, one of the things that you model so well is servant leadership. I don't even know if you call it that. I just think that's the term that's been out there. And, you know, getting to participate, um, and watch the Ed Lowry Awards again, which is an award ceremony you do to, um, in honor of Ed Lowry and the great work he did and all these great people you get to, to get to honor there. What's, I don't know, you don't know this, but I, when I was at the VIP reception, we were talking about you, right? And we were talking about how you should be the recipient of the Ed Lowry Award and awards like that. So you're very humble in your leadership. You're very, like you fly under the radar with it. I mean, what are your, just a couple tips, like best tips on, on leadership, like what's important right now, given this interesting time that I think we find ourselves in in this world? So um, when I stood up the operations center that you know is supporting the Afghanistan evacuation, and it and we we support over three hundred nonprofits and veteran service organizations now. We're we're the B two B connector in the ecosystem. Wow. Right. We we receive the distress calls and we find the organization in the ecosystem that can that might have the capacity to handle whatever the challenge is. And that could be inside of Afghanistan or here in the US on the resettlement side. But so when I stood up the operations center, I knew because I'm an operator, right? I, I do things and I spent 40 months in combat. I knew how challenging it would be from Los Angeles to give people advice in Kabul or Kandahar in Afghanistan in life-threatening situations. I, I, as an operator, that just seems insane to me that I would be able to do that 
because I don't know the circumstances on the ground. And so humility was the first principle that we used. It was all about um, trying to provide the best information possible to create a context where people could weigh their own risks and make their own decisions. And we would help them by adding context that they might not have from the ground level. And then um, the second principle was empathy. Um, every one of my operators, we had like 24 operators um, on call 24 seven at the height of the, uh, the evacuation. And um, every single one of them said, you are the first person who picked up the phone and answered my call because they were trying to get through to our government. They were trying to get through to members of Congress, to whoever, um, people in um, other nonprofits that just didn't have the capacity to pick up the phone. Right. And um, so empathy and humility were our, our watchwords, and they still serve us today in the B2B community. And, and that's really a core of, of my servant leadership. I do use that term is um, two of the principles that, that I really emphasize and I, I think have served me well over the last three decades or so. Yeah, well, you definitely live those values. I mean, just in the short time I've, well, maybe it's not short anymore because we're getting older, Steve. I don't know, in the time I've known you. <laughs> um, that is who you are and how you show up in every situation. And you're just such a great role model for the rest of us. And so let's let's dive into this conversation because I don't know, I mean, you probably more than me and a lot of uh, Americans, of course, we have an international audience as well. As Americans here in the U.S., we definitely, I feel this, I can't even explain it exactly, but a, definitely a sense of urgency, like a pressing sense of urgency. And, you know, we're talking about the American experiment at risk and the role of women and you have your symposium coming up this September and that's going to be the focus. And just so everyone's clear, you know, everyone who's listening, First Amendment voice is a nonpartisan effort. Let's just be super clear about that. Like this, um, Steve and, you know, I'm a member. I think I'm still a member. I don't know. I probably need to make yeah. sure I don't, all my status is I've been a sponsor. I'm going to be a sponsor again this year. And we all believe in, you know, having conversations and having healthy conversations. And I thought of you, Steve, this week, I was at a, an event, which I won't name. And there were, there was a very unhealthy sort of yelling match happening at an event and there were kids around. Right. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and it was handled, it was handled, but it was also a conversation I had to have with my son later. He's just never seen this before. And I'm yeah. blessed in that way. We're blessed in that way. Right. I get that. And so it just brought to light again. I mean, just, <sighs> We can feel pretty helpless and coming through the pandemic. I think you've, you know, I've talked about this, right? People still feel isolated. No one's talking about that. Mental health is at, a, is at an absolute low. Um, people are struggling. You know, we saw yeah. that. We saw that at the event. We saw both people struggling and we had the wherewithal to say not, oh my gosh, look what's happening. But wow, these people are, must really be struggling right now. Hey CEOs, it's Ursula stopping by because I have a question for you. Are you ready to 2X your revenue, your monthly revenue and shave 10 or more hours off your work week? If yes, you need to be at the next 2X intensive course. And 
by clicking on the link in the show notes, you can schedule a private session with me to talk about how the 2X Intensive will help you. So just fill out the application below and Trisha will schedule a conversation for us. One of our clients said that in the first 10 minutes of the private coaching call that you received before the 2X Intensive, she made it more than paid for the class. Another client shaved off 21 hours per week for a total of 84 hours a month that she was able to put back into her calendar to work on her business. Another client just reported that he has taken 40 hours off his work week after taking the 2X intensive and has grown a multi-million dollar company. So if this is of interest to you, fill out the application below. That application will get to Trisha and Trisha will schedule a private 30 minute call for you and I to talk about how the 2X intensive can help you. Can't wait to see you there. Can't wait to connect soon. So I don't know. I don't even know where to start this conversation that I just know it's been weighing on my heart and my soul. And I definitely know that having a podcast and opportunity to connect with people to help them, like how to, where do we go, Steve? Like you and I are, we have the opportunity to, to, to talk about these things. And I don't, I definitely don't have the answers. I can come from a place of humility, um, but I want to help people. What can we do? Well, so yeah, it's such a challenging, you know, um, just time for us as a country. And it is, it, I know, in, you know, speaking on behalf of a lot of veterans in our community, the trends that we saw in conflict zones where there was like full on civil war going on, we've seen really disturbing parallels here in the United States. And, it, and it's just, it's shocking. And so um, one of the things we're doing is, you know, there's a dearth every election cycle in poll workers. Poll workers are volunteers, but and they go through training. But in many cases, uh, they'll get, you know, some sort of minor compensation, depending on the state, um, $120 for the day or something. And, um, and uh, poll workers are aging out in our country. And so this is, this is fundamental to the democratic process that we can hold free and fair elections. And so one of the things we're doing is we're, we're running this campaign to encourage 100,000 veterans and their family members to volunteer to go through the training and try to infuse a younger generation in. But that's just not veterans. Anybody can volunteer to become a poll worker, right? And step yeah. forward. And you know, it's a couple of times, it's, it's once every two years in most cases. And it's a great way to get civically engaged in a way, especially if you're really busy, like I'm sure many of your listeners are, you know, they don't have to commit to a nonprofit board, for example, where you're meeting sure. every month and you're going to, you know, so there, that's an easy a, a gateway drug to civic engagement, right? It's a way yes. to <laughs> be involved. But thinking about it, you know, we use a, a three-tier methodology. And it's educate, it's equip, giving people tools for engagement in the public square, but ultimately inspire that our form of government only works if we have an active, informed, hopefully, citizenry. And um, so we've got a lot of free uh, tools on our website. And our blog writer is Kelly Kehoe is incredible. 99% of Americans cannot name the five freedoms that are embodied in the First Amendment. That, that's a fundamental level of, of, you know, just civic understanding and awareness. And those are, I was at the National Constitution Center yesterday, and you see that the First Amendment is 45 words. 
it's engraved up on the wall in the backdrop of one of their atriums. Um, it's just, you know, these are fundamental, really human rights. They're not just American rights. They are human rights in a lot of ways, religious freedom, freedom of the press, freedom to speak, uh, freedom to assemble and petition your government for grievance. These are all um, core things that allow our democracy to thrive. And anyway, so those are, are ways people can be involved. And, I, and the, the last thing I would just say is tone down, turn off the media if it is causing you to be anxious. Um, a lot of the media, and, and this is not like a right or a left thing, this is across the media landscape, has gone to this entertainment mode of getting us information. And it's triggering our, us neurologically in ways that are, are, are getting our emotions going. Um, and so that's something that I have found is very calming. And then, then I just look at my Twitter feed and if I choose to follow whatever is there, I can look it up. But if not, I can just go on with my day. So that's, um, I think, I think about that a lot, right? I think, I think that we have a lot of people who are tuned in too much. Like, um, yeah. I think, and especially like my mom who, um, <laughs> lives by herself. I was just right? say my parents. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my mom, right? Sometimes it's just blaring in the background. I'm like, mom, turn that stuff off, put a soap opera on. I don't care. Put something else on, put music on. And so it's easy. It is easy to, to have that kind of in the background of our, our world and not even realize it. And also Steve, yeah. I think it's hard. Like, I'll be honest. I mean, I do, there's a lot of different news sites I go to. Um, it is anxiety producing. And then there's a part of me that feels like if I don't look like, then I'm not, I'm not going to know what's happening in the world. Like there's that fine yeah. balance. Yeah. Yes. Missing, well, right? well, and I don't, I'd rather miss, I would rather miss out on it. You know what I mean? But then am I, yeah. am I engaged? I don't know. It's that, it's a, I feel that, that, you know, that pull and, um, Anyway, like, I don't, we're not going to solve that in this moment, but I think it's a great point, right? And you do a lot of work around, or your organization, First Amendment Voice has done a lot of work around fake news and really doing your research, because even, I, I, I think we've noticed, right, even what we might say are more respected, um, what, and this isn't a partisan, like, you know, whatever you watch, like, there's some that you would think they're, all their news would be um, researched and it's, that's not always the case, right? The old adage of like, well, I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Um, we have to, we just have to be careful. So, so there's high level, right? And then you and I've talked about this and, and I know you, you've mentioned that, um, you and your wife, Amy have people over, like you're also very much into community building in your backyard. And we have yeah. lost that. We've lost that. We're yeah. locked in our little boxes, especially during the pandemic, peeking out our windows. And so Let's just talk about that for a moment because um, it's something Tim and I are very conscious of, just our neighborhood, just making sure that people are okay, right? Mental health checks, you know, are like, what's going on? Do you need anything? But how else, like, what do you guys do in your community to, to connect, to reach out? So I am a, uh, a chamber of commerce ambassador only because as you know, I have a hard are. time. I have a hard time saying no, right? And Susie Lance, Susie Lance, 
she's she's like you. If you asked me, Ursula, I wouldn't be able to say no, right? I would you know, Steve, be on my podcast. Of course, yeah, I'm going to do it. We're going to make it happen, right? And so Susie is just amazing and doing incredible work in San Clemente, where we live. And so as a member of the, um, you know, chamber ambassadors, I guess, you know, I reach out to local businesses to, you know, I'm going to be there having a cup of cappuccino or something and working on a book or writing something, journaling, whatever I'm doing. And so I know the local business owners where I frequent and I stay in tune with what the issues are for them. And then I can feed that back to the chamber. It's just, you know, I, I almost feel guilty sometimes because I'm, I'm always on travel, as you know, and so I don't spend a lot of time there. And so when I do, I try to do it in a way where it allows me to recharge, but at the same way, feel connected um, with the community in, in healthy ways where I can assist. And then when you do that, you just need to fend off all the calls for you to run for city council and all the other stuff. It's like, no, no, I can't do that. I, I can say no to those things. <laughs> That might be next. That might be next, Steve. All right. So yeah, that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? But anyway, so back to, so circling back to this connection piece, cause I, when we talk about the American experiment at risk, I was really just tuning into our conversation this morning and this idea of connection that, you know, while it, I think we, for a lot of us, we can say, yeah, it's not such a big deal or whatever. Sometimes for me, that's what's like really bubbling up lately. This, coming through the pandemic, the isolation. I mean, we're already isolated, I think, just because we live in our little houses and we don't live in community the same way. When you yeah. think of kind of where we are in the world today, how much of where we are is, is a lack of connection, not only locally, but globally? Well, so I think, yeah, I think that extends. So the interesting thing is we are more connected than ever and we're also disconnected, right? Yeah. It's you know, we can connect with like-minded people, right? On Facebook or, or other uh, social media platforms or anywhere in the world and have conversations, but we're, are we really connected with them, right? Do we, we're, we're not getting the, the full sensory experience to really validate that the way we would if we were focusing on our neighbor, right? When you focus on your neighbor, you're getting all the nonverbal cues. You're, you're really, you know, it's, it's almost like a neighborhood watch that you described, right. right? You're worried about mental health. You're just checking in. You know, I've got elderly neighbors on both sides of my house. Um, you know, and, and one day one of them uh, fell down and couldn't get up. Oh. And, you know, if they, if they did not know how to get in touch with us, I mean, what were they going to do? They were going to call their kids who live three hours away or call the paramedics and, you know, so, and it, it wasn't that big of a deal, but just having that connective tissue um, in the circles that are closest to you is really important. I think it's something that, that social media has distracted us from the value of. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point. We're more connected than ever and yet less connected. So I want to make sure we talk about this connection. Speaking of connections, the American experiment at risk and the role of women, this is going to be happening at the symposium. So tell us about the symposium and then also, you know, why, why is the role of women so important right now? Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating that, um, so, so what we're looking at at the symposium, number one is, is um, 
it will be a two-week experience and it's going to be hybrid. We will have in-person events. Um, we'll have in-person events that are live streamed to our virtual audience, but then we'll have all virtual events as well. Um, so the role of women panel that we're going to look at, we'll look at women's involvement in civic engagement across the ideological spectrum. So everything from women participating in the January 6th uprising to, and, and what was it that attracted them to some of the organizations that were marshalling those efforts to women being um, constructively engaged in their communities in you know, maybe running nonprofits or stepping up on corporate boards in ways that you know allow them to get to their philanthropic interests as well. So we're those are the types of um, of things we're and we're mirroring that. We're, we'll look at the veteran experience from that perspective. I mean, veterans were overrepresented on January sixth, right? And why is it that extremist groups are targeting veterans in particular and law enforcement? And how are they doing it? Um, as well as, you know, we'll feature the, the Vet the Vote campaign and 100,000, you know, volunteers to help support our democratic processes. Um, so we're looking at all of that stuff. And what is fascinating is for a lot of um, the, the people that I'm talking to, they're just trying to understand why are, why are women in particular getting involved in some of these, you know, more extreme efforts and movements and what what are their roles and it just seems to really be intriguing to people so we we excited to we decided to explore that space um which is where the idea for that panel came from um but anyway it's uh there there are a lot of um just uh things things out there that have are starting to show us how women are involved in violent extremism and, you know, which is, which is odd because if you look at the gun violence in our country, right, it's almost uniformly men who are involved in those incidents. And I know, you know, as, as a mom and somebody, you know, a mother of a, a young person who goes to school, you know, my wife is a, a school teacher that, you know, the school shootings in particular are just excruciating. And the, the idea of the training that our teachers and students have to go through is like reminiscent of the days when we were worried about nuclear war and we were doing duck under desks in the classroom in case we had a nuclear strike. Um, so anyway, that, that's on a lot of people's minds. So we're trying to understand, you know, what are some of the distinctions there that, you know, why are women attracted to some of these extremist groups, but they're not going in other directions? And, you know, and then, of course, we'll focus on the, the uh, positive sort of constructive side of civic engagement as well and, and where women are leading. Yeah, it's interesting. And in talking with a lot of women just who I'm connected to across the country and different, you know, different beliefs um, politically, ideologically, I would say women feel pretty lost right now. I guess I would guess men do as well, but I don't like the women I know and women I've talked to um, when we have kind of those quiet conversations in the back of the room, right? Cause that's the other piece. I don't think women feel safe talking about, yeah. I don't know that men do, but I definitely feel that women do not feel safe talking about their political beliefs across the aisle. Right. And they don't feel that they're not sure where they belong anymore. Like they can't say I'm this party or that. I'm like, I'm just, they feel lost. And 
and they're probably, I would say women probably aren't alone in that. Um, and that's not all women. I don't want to speak for all women, but that those are the kind of conversations that, that I've noticed. So I'm, I'll, I'm super excited about this panel and just, and what's going to come from it. So as we're wrapping up, Steve, tell us about, so if someone wants to be, um, attend the symposium in, symposium in person or participate online, I also know you'll be doing the difficult workshops, which we participated on. And we've, I know we've, I think we, yeah, we gifted some tickets last year. So tell us a little bit about what's coming up in September. Yeah. So in September, September 10th, actually in person, we'll kick off our, our two week celebration of Constitution Day and Citizenship Day which is every year on September 17th. And so on September 10th, one week prior, we will do an in-person difficult conversations workshop in San Clemente, California. So if anybody happens to be interested or, or is in the area and can be there that day, um, Kern Berry, who you know, will be facilitating. So good. Just, you know, amazing. Um, and so that'll be the start. And the following week, we'll have our virtual content. And this is all up on our website, so people can go check it out. And, and it'll update as we get speaker confirmations and uh, more details. Um, but we, we will conclude in the city of Philadelphia at the National Constitution Center on uh, September 24th. We'll have a VIP reception the evening prior. That's a Friday night. And then uh, Saturday afternoon, we will have a keynote speaker who will be a retired uh, four-star um, military leader come in to talk about the importance of nonpartisan civic engagement. Um, and then we'll, we'll have a panel uh, discussion on veteran civic engagement across the ideological spectrum. And then we're gonna look at religious freedom as well. Um, there are a lot of issues there on the left and the right for the veteran community, as well as um, the active force and their family members with respect to, you know, whether it's okay for um, uh, somebody who's Jewish to wear a yarmulke in uniform or uh, a Sikh, right? Or, um, you know, whether the military can force people to get their vaccinations, right? Uh, there, there are those types of issues that are being challenged on religious grounds. And uh, so we're, we're going to have a panel to explore some of that space, which, you know, that's another topic, you know, politics and religion, right? Yes. But many, many people don't feel comfortable uh, talking about. We create an environment that is safe. And, and that's, that's really our, that's, that's my main role. I'm the referee of, of, we call it the 50 yard line. It's we do not veer left or right on an issue. And, and that allows us to convene audiences from across the ideological spectrum that feel okay coming in a room and actually asking a provocative question or talking to somebody who does not look like them. And, uh, and so that's essentially what the symposium is gonna be about. Um, the National Constitution Center is a wonderful facility. It's incredible. If people have not been there, it is a museum in, a, in addition to a learning center and a, a gathering place where we can explore those types of issues that really our founding fathers started exploring over 200 years ago. And then afterwards, we will go to, you know, have dinner at a, a restaurant where the founding fathers actually went after they signed a declaration of independence and do stuff like that. You can just get that historical backdrop here. 
Awesome. Well, it sounds great. And like you said, everything will be on, on the website at firstamendmentvoice.org. We'll have that in the show notes. And then, um, Steve, we'll have your contact information as well. But if someone wants to, like, what's the best place to reach out to you? They can absolutely uh, send me an email at um, smisca, right, at firstamendmentvoice.org. Um they can, you know, leave a comment on the website and we'll absolutely get back to them. Um, if they if they read one of our blogs, they can go to YouTube and our YouTube content, you know, at First Amendment Voice is just fantastic. It's, you know, the Lowry Award presentation is yeah. up there. There's just so much good stuff that we put out in a nonpartisan way, mainly to educate, but but ultimately we're about inspiration, right? It's it's exactly why you're wearing that t-shirt, right? Citizenship is not a spectator sport. We all play a role and let's, we're happy to help you find what the right role is for you at whatever level you feel comfortable. Awesome. Steve, Miska, thanks for hanging out with us today and congratulations um, just on all the great work that you're doing in the world. We just, I, I don't think we thank you enough for everything that you're doing. So thank you and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Ursula. It's always a pleasure. And um, I look forward to hopefully seeing you in Philly in September. I want to make that happen. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you to our listeners all over the world. We appreciate you. If there's anything we can do for you, you can email us at contact at UrsulaInc.co. All right. That's it for this week, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. And if you are ready to make your next quantum leap, let's do it. Ursula invites you to join us at the 2X Intensive. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.